Welcome to Lessons in Life and Love with Rihanna Milne, where we show you how to have the positive mindset for success in all life areas so you can grow beyond difficult transitions and evolve from those challenging moments that may have influenced your past but will not define your future. It's time to have the life you desire and the love you deserve as we teach you the exact skills needed to attract and keep a lasting, emotionally healthy and conscious relationship. Now, please welcome your host, certified life dating and relationship coach, trauma professional and best-selling author, Rihanna Milne. Hello, everyone. Welcome to show number 28 of Lessons in Life and Love. How are you? I'm Coach Rihanna Milne. I'm known as a life and love transformation expert, and I'm on a mission to change the way the world loves one person at a time. And I hope you, my listeners, who I call my angels of love and love transformers, will help me spread the word on how to have conscious, loving, and respectful relationships. Because every show, there's so much value offered and you're learning so much. So please spread the word and let's make the mission work. Tonight, we got some great topics. I will go into all of them as long as time allows about marrying again great sex through time and making love last. And this is part three from this fabulous magazine I found at my grocery store called The Science of Love Magazine. And they say that it is on the newsstands until May 6th. It's $12.99, a given out by Centennial Specials, which is a publishing house out of New York City. I'm giving you some of the highlights and I think it's something worth picking up. It's a great magazine with tons of articles. Like tonight, I teach you the exact skills that you need to have a fantastic life and to attract and keep a fabulous love partner. No matter your age, whether you're a man or a woman, straight or LGBT, or if you're single or in an exclusive relationship, there are tips for everybody. My whole mission is so you can have the life you desire and the love relationship that you deserve. If you would like to meet with me personally every week, I put aside seven slots for my listeners of the the live radio show or podcast by just going to my website, rihannamilne.com. There's a pop-up form. Just fill that out. Tell me your story and apply for your life and love transformation discovery session today. It's a $500 value. So do take advantage of that. Remember, you can listen to all my past shows on my podcast website, lessonsinlifeandlove.com to get that education to build your knowledge in both life and love skills. And you can also listen every day on Alexa. So just ask Alexa, bring me up my flash briefing called Daily Lessons in Life and Love and add that to your listening a pleasure every day. You can find this podcast everywhere now, Spotify, Titchers, iTunes, iHeart, Spreaker, Google Music, and your other favorite apps. And if you hear something you know will benefit a friend or a loved one, please be that angel of love and share the show link. And do leave me a comment and a five-star rating. This is what we're doing these radio shows and podcasts for, to help you out. A little thing you can do in return to share the love is leave me a five-star rating and a comment about what you liked about the show. And you can even write me at Lessons in Life and Love, a show at gmail.com if you want a specific topic covered. I've been covering a ton of them, guys, and 28 shows, so make sure you hear them all. There's so much education there for you. Today's show is being brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audio book with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash Rihanna and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. 
Download a free title and start listening today. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash Rihanna. Let's start out with marrying again, since so many of us have second, third, fourth, fifth marriages and why they work and why they don't work. Let's see what their advisors say in this article. And it says, of course, remarriage or any marriage, if you look at the divorce stats, which are really close to 60% today, that is a risk, of course. But countless couples keep walking down the aisle yet again, hoping to get it right the second, third, each time thereafter. Unfortunately, though, the studies show the divorce rate for the second or third marriage is even higher than the first marriage. But why? The researchers at Emory University found one key reason is that people are afraid to ask for what they really want and need in a relationship. And it can be especially difficult to speak up if your self-esteem has been shattered and clobbered in a divorce or a toxic marriage that you had before and you're fearing rejection or another failed marriage. Instead, you're trying to keep the peace, you keep your mouth closed, and then this builds resentment. It's really important. I'm going to just add this in too. Just take your time the second or third time around. Really get to know this partner. Say anything and everything. Be honest. Of course, speak from your heart. Speak with love and with team language using we. Can we try this or we try that? Or I'm upset that this is happening. Can we try this instead? That type of thing. Couples must use a period of dating and courtship to collect enough data to try to prevent another devastating mistake. And in the early part of a relationship, you're setting the stage to not get your needs met or to get them met, right? So if you don't speak up, you can't make a direct request for the support that you need or talk about what you would like in a relationship Or if you can't say no to something when you want to, this is going to be a problem. You can't learn if this person who you're going to be a partner with is capable of what you really need or want or desire if you don't ask them. You're looking to be with your best friend. Think about, ladies, if you're hanging out with your best friend, can you talk about anything? Can you ask them anything? Usually that's a yes answer. Well, this partner that you're looking to share the rest of your life with, whether it's the same sex couple or uh, the opposite sex, should be your best buddy, your best friend. Yes, there should be passion tied to it as well if you're looking for a marriage. But you need to be best friends first and support system for the other. The researcher adds here, many people are afraid of being disappointed. Ultimately, the fear is if I ask for when I want, that I will be rejected or alone again. Without putting that fear in check, people are walking around with blinders on. If you don't establish what you need in a relationship and get married before your partner agrees to give it to you, your new marital status won't magically make your needs go away. Second marriages often involve mixing families and belongings and combining or moving homes, which makes it more challenging. It could be a lot more stressful as well. A big reception, of course, is not going to support you emotionally in the years to come. You have to make your expectations known before you move in together or risk the turmoil of another divorce in a few years. Marriage is not going to change anything, you or your partner's communication style or your insecurities, if you haven't dealt with these issues up front. And all my coaching clients, many of them come to me after a toxic relationship or as they're getting out of one or after a long-term divorce to get beyond 
the fears that they might have built up over the years of being their authentic selves and they learn to communicate their issues, wants, needs, and desires in a loving, kind, open-hearted way. And they are proactive, not reactive. So they're always looking for a mutual solution to any problems that can come up. And problems will come up. We call them issues because you're not two identical human beings. Everyone should be allowed to their own opinions. But if there's an issue, meaning you don't agree on something, then you still have to talk it through and reach a compromise that is comfortable for the both of you. You have to be able to speak your mind and your feelings with love, with kindness, and without being emotionally triggered. This is why people come to my coaching program. So if you need help in that area, make sure you reach out to me at RihannaMillen.com. Okay, so in short, it says, don't be afraid to talk about your needs and expectations honestly. And if you're worried that honesty will jeopardize a new relationship, it's better to find out sooner than later, for sure. Changing mindset of fear to one of boldness. To find a partner for a successful next marriage, make a commitment to yourself to act in your own best interests and to explore whether the relationship will meet your needs before you leap. Again, my clients learn on the first few dates whether this person is going to be a match by sharing their thoughts, their ideas, their wants, their needs, their requirements. And they can tell very early on if that person is appropriate for them or not. And they're not afraid of who they are. They're proud of who they are. Their self-esteem is back. They're feeling great. And they do share what their needs are. And if they don't match, that's perfectly okay. We release them in love. Say it's a pleasure to meet you. Many times you remain friends, but that might not be the person you would look to marry. The worst that can happen is if you speak out for what you want and need is this relationship ends. And you can cope with that. That's what the researcher finds too. After all, it's better to end a relationship relationship if it won't give you the support you need, even if it's painful now, rather than to have it continue and end eventually anyway with more heartache and another divorce. Purge destructive patterns before trying again or getting out there to redate. Succeeding the second time around requires that you engage in serious self-examination. It's time to get real about where they were and how much they have overcome. You're so inspirational now because so many people are afraid to confront their childhood wounds or their traumas or share their stories of what they went through because initially you're in such shock and embarrassment too. Like, how could this happen to me? How come I didn't see it? And that's how I felt initially with all that that happened to me. It's like, oh, I'm a psychotherapist. I'm smart. Should have seen this coming. And I didn't. And I got very hurt and said to my girls, that was traumatizing for me. And then I decided to be bold and do something about it. And that's when I got serious and did the research on the issues that my partner had in his life, which was severe childhood trauma, which made him act out in destructive ways. And that was not described anywhere in my psychology courses with my triple masters. Then I had dug further because I know if I knew all the facts around this won't only help me heal, it will help my coaching and counseling clients heal, who I had at the time. And then I developed my coaching programs around that. It was so important for me and I was so excited to bring this to the world that now with so many of my clients healing and growing and having like this incredible life right now, it's so exciting for me 
to see that. And they're saying here backs up what my research has shown too. My clients are kind of hearing this for the second time. What they're saying is you have to recognize and purge the patterns that doomed your prior relationship before dating again. And the biggest issues could be your style of coping with stress. All marriages have significant stressors and problems, whether they survive or end up in divorce. Of course, there's no perfect couple um, cuddling, smiling, and agreeing on everything throughout their marriage. It's just not realistic. Everyone has some arguments and tempers are bound to flare from time to time. Now, that's their opinion. In my opinion, when couples understand the ways to properly communicate with love, open heart, and empathy to each other's childhood wounds of the past, you are less likely to trigger your partner and it should not escalate to flares of anger, not even from time to time. It should be calm, it should be friendship, it should be talking through issues and coming to some agreements, right? The best of times are what we all aim for, of course, and you have to be really careful being critical when times get tough. Satisfaction and success may be related to how couples work together during stressful times, and that's certainly true. Spouses who accuse their partner of causing the problems or complain that a partner's reaction was over blown damaged the relationship. Relationships were preserved when spouses refrained from fault-finding, criticism, blame, and other negative reactions. That negative, blaming, criticism, fault-finding, controlling crap, that is all from childhood trauma. That's not healed. Okay, so if you're in that pattern yourself or with a partner, know that your emotional triggers are being hit and you've got to clean those up. This restraint is even more important than empathy, researchers show. When people face stressful life events, they are especially sensitive to negative behavior in their relationships, such as when a partner seems to be argumentative, overly emotional or withdrawn, we call stonewalling or shutting down, or fails to do something that was expected of them. In contrast, they're less sensitive to positive behavior, such as giving each other comfort. It behooves those making a second try at a marriage to work hard on recognizing such patterns, which we call emotional triggers or dysfunctional behavior patterns from the past, before trying again. By consciously changing both your coping and fighting styles, you can improve the odds that your next attempt at marriage will last for the long haul. In fact, it's worth going to therapy or coaching to help you change your approach. Well, thank you guys for saying that. As a matter of fact, I did a lot of interfaith weddings up in New Jersey. My company there is called Ceremonies by the Sea. And we did pre-marital coaching, a lot of it up there. And it really helped to go through the five trigger issues which is finances, sex, raising kids, handling the in-laws. And we've got through all those and how you deal with them and what your opinions are and got it on the same page before the marriages. And that really helped my couples to stay together. I married couples that have now together, I think, 15 years. It's really wonderful. I've been doing weddings since 1997. It's a really long time and it's so great. Occasionally I hear from my couples and just saying, hey, Reverend Rihanna, it's our anniversary. We just want to say we love you and thank you 
Vancouver. Great ceremony. It was amazing. And they're all originally written and they're quite beautiful. I really put my heart into them and take such joy and feel so honored to be a part of someone's wedding day. They're officiants. I mean, that's a really important role. That was a lot of joy I had in New Jersey. Unfortunately, in Florida, I'm not doing much of them because I wasn't as well known down here. I'm newer down here than I was in Jersey. So contempt, blame and disrespect during times of stress can be fatal. Stonewalling a partner, meaning withdrawing or refusing to respond when they try to communicate with you, is even worse. And one of the strongest predictors that a marriage will fail. When one person pursues talking about a problem and the other one shuts down completely and will not engage, it's one of the most corrosive patterns we see as marriage therapists, this researcher said. And financial transparency is essential. You must disclose income, investments, and debt. Be totally honest and where you are at this stage and how you plan to move forward if even you're living together, how your finance is going to be handled. Or, of course, if you're married, you have to have that totally mapped out. Even blended family issues like the rules, visitation, child support need to be discussed before you get married. Total honesty will give you and your partner higher odds of success. You need to leave magical thinking behind. For a second or third marriage to be healthy and supportive, you must face reality head on. Don't buy into the fantasies or delusions and try your level best to see the world as it is. Your first goal should be working out your personal issues ahead of time before settling down, I say, before they even start dating. Okay, let's get rid of all that. Second, you need to give up the magical thinking that the relationship can make your problems disappear. It's important to seek out the premarital coach so that demons from the past do not follow you into the new life that you plan. If you think a not-so-great relationship must progress into marriage or you're doomed to singlehood, reconsider. Don't settle. We also say we'd rather be single than settle. You don't want somebody in a legal situation that you don't feel that you're a good match with. Oftentimes, the distinctive fear that a relationship might end is a result of what you think that means about your self-worth, your self-esteem, your ability to be loved, your belief about what makes you a success or a failure, she's explained. Now, this, of course, my clients know, all comes from childhood trauma. So we look at all of that and we get rid of it and we set you up for a very successful life individually. This is what your coaching does. And then we get you out there knowing exactly what to look for in an emotionally healthy, evolved and conscious partner. Instead of settling, you look towards a future in which you can find and sustain a healthier and happier marriage or relationship than in the past. Take your time and break free of the urgent sense that you must preserve a relationship at all costs. Now, I remember growing up, divorce was very taboo. Barely anyone divorced. They lived in miserable matrimony before they would even consider divorce. It was a big scandal. If one family got divorced, everybody talked about it in our schools. But by the time I was in high school, divorces were happening quite a lot. That would have been 1970 to 75. A lot more divorces were coming through than before that. Some people who are old school or more religious would stay in these toxic abusive relationship for years, years, because they felt, oh, it would be a failure, or I took a vow for life, or the Bible says I should stay married. Well, really, the Bible says if you're being abused, you can divorce. So you've got permission. Who's to say what is more successful? 
bragging about a 40-year marriage where you were toxically or verbally, emotionally abused or battered or saying, you know what, I had three marriages and maybe they didn't work out, but I refuse to be in a toxic relationship. To me, that's healthier. Now, remember, I was someone at 24 who lost her best friend, my three-year roommate at Penn State, to her boyfriend who murdered her. I would be damned if I was going to ever stay in a relationship where I was not respected, loved like a best friend, or abused in any way or taken advantage of. It just does not resonate with me. If I lose respect, I'm gone. I'm out. If I don't trust you, if you manipulate or lie, we're done. And it's a shame that people don't take coaching courses before marriage so that they learn to be emotionally healthy, evolved, honorable, act in integrity, which is doing the right things when nobody's looking, keeps their words and promises is responsible financially. I work with the majority of women. I do have some men that I coach in couples and younger people, uh, 14 plus. But in general, when I work with my women, they have become very successful despite the odds of living with toxic men, husbands that are blowing money or gamblers or alcoholics, and they're working their tails off to make sure their kids have a good life. I was one of those. I was working five jobs at one point to make sure my kids had a decent home to live in and some vacations and nice clothes so they weren't teased at school. Didn't have any help, never had alimony, never got child support. As a matter of fact, I paid child support for 12 years to a man that financially ripped off my family, $200,000. And that's why I was working five jobs for the majority of my adult years, 16 years, to make sure my mother was paid back. Why? Because I act in integrity. Where are the people that are in integrity today, that are honorable, that you respect, that you can count on, that support your efforts? These are what we call emotionally healthy and conscious aware people. They most likely are in the spiritual community. So this is why I encourage my coaching clients to go to church or a temple or find a spiritual group to get to know people who do live by a certain code, a certain way of being. And it's very sad in our society that this is getting less and less where people feel accountable to their word. So ironic to me. But people who are spiritual, we take this type of way of being very seriously and we deliver what we say we're going to do or fight like hell to be able to do that it's all about starting with you and when you know you're a good person and responsible and keep your word you will not settle for less there's no way you're going to take your time and yes we know unfortunately there's tons of sociopaths and it's growing Well, people will lie and manipulate and try to use you for their personal gain or profit. That's what a sociopath is. Uses someone for pleasure or profit is a definition without remorse, without empathy, and they won't ever apologize. This is some of the hardest thing for my clients to understand. And even me, when I married a sociopath, that you're always waiting for the apology Sometimes you think they're going to come to their senses. They're going to grow up. They're going to realize what harm they caused you. And they really don't care. And they go on and they do it again. That's the biggest thing. Like, it's like, are you serious? How does this person live with themselves? How do they look at themselves in the mirror and call themselves a man or a good woman and mother? You don't hear it happening that much from the females. 
occasionally I get the men in here that are really devastated by a sociopathic woman. But I think the last study is where it says 82% of sociopaths are men. So it's a much smaller percentage of women that are out there causing this type of harm. And all of them come from very toxic childhood trauma. They have to want the help to get it. And it's very rare because they blame everybody else. It's always somebody else's fault that there's a problem. They never admit to themselves that they've done wrong. It's a very frustrating person to have fallen in love with and trying to make a marriage work. You're working with this kind of person. And once a sociopath, always a sociopath. The sooner you identify, get the hell out. Don't say, oh, I got to stay honorable or the kids will be upset with me. The kids want you alive and well and thriving. That means that you would need to divorce, then do it. That's what my take is on this. Again, I encourage people find their voice and really communicate, disclose their vulnerabilities, their desires, their needs. And when you find the words and your behavior matches your real feelings, you being authentic and the desires about what you need in your life and your marriage within your financial situation to feel happy and confident about life, it's very empowering. My clients are empowered. That is the best way I describe when they graduate, they are ready to have that life that they desire and to attract the love that they deserve. They are patient until they meet it or find it or give it time to ensure that the person they're dating has all those qualities. Now, the sociopath is really good at manipulation and the lying game, okay? Usually, you start seeing the lapse in their game around four months to nine months in. There's things that pop up, and it's like, did I hear that right? Or did he really say that? And you want to try to ignore it because by then, you're so in love and hoping that that was just a mistake or you heard wrong. And it's quite alarming when this stuff starts coming out. Here's their summary. Five issues you both should discuss before leaping again. This time, you and your soon-to-be spouse are determined to have your marriage last until death do you part. It's fine to be happy and excited, but it's more important to be practical. Make sure to discuss the following before moving ahead. Home will be where? If you have two homes, figure out together the best place financially, logistically, and emotionally to set up a house together. Does one home hold too many memories of an old bad relationship or baggage from a previous marriage? If one or both of you have children, also consider the schools and the neighborhoods and how much disruption it would be to move the kids. Go to the better school district, of course, if you can. It's critical to have space for all your children and treat both partners' kids equally. And if the children aren't an issue for you, consider whether a fresh start in a brand new place altogether would be the best move for the both of you. If you have children, you have to consider what are you leaving your children? Do you each have a trust set up? And you definitely should have a prenup because you want to protect your children from anything that might go wrong in a second marriage. Let's hold that thought. We have to go to a brief break. You are listening to the live radio show version of Lessons in Life and Love on BBM Global Network. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audio book with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash Rihanna and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs 
Download a free title and start listening today. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash Rihanna and get started. Why Audible? Well, Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. To download your free audiobook today, just go to audibletrial.com forward slash Rihanna and enjoy your free audiobook. Okay, we're back. You are listening to Coach Rihanna Milne on Lessons in Life and Love. We're going to keep continuing with this topic about marrying again, because I think it's so important. It's happening so often. And if I don't get to anything else tonight, I am ranting on this because I really want to cover it. I would love to hear your opinion, too. So don't be shy. Call on in 866-451-1451. Now we're going into the children a little bit more, which is yours, mine and ours. If either or both of you have kids, there's more to figuring out about a blended family than visitation schedules with the exes. Talk about existing rules that you have for each other's kids and get clear on the expectations about family meals, bedtimes, discipline, and other rules because it should be alike for everyone within the household. If you plan to have kids of your own, have a frank discussion about when to start trying for kids, how you would like to go about caring for an infant and toddler. Would one of you stop working? Will you hire a nanny? You have to discuss all the adult offspring who may have psychological issues about you marrying again, or if there's any health issues or special need children. Will your new partner support your need to help your child physically or financially, like with college in a few years, or is that going to be something totally on you? These are all financial discussions that you have to come to some agreement on before marriage. There's really a lot to discuss. You don't want the finances, which is the number one reason most marriages fall apart, to cause a reason for this marriage to dissolve. Next is sexual needs and problems. It's not the most romantic kind of discussion to have, but couples should talk frankly about their sexual expectations, their problems and needs before committing to a long-term relationship. Couples get into trouble when they disagree about how often you should make love, but one person might feel ashamed, guilty, or too uncomfortable to bring it up. That's not cool. You guys have to be able to talk about everything. Whether a man has erectile dysfunction due to aging or medication he's taking, or a woman finds sex painful or just not desirable at this stage of her life, you know, does she go for hormone replacement therapy? You've got to discuss it all. If you hope to meet both partners' expectations and needs, where are you with things? You can't be afraid to talk about the sex if a man's having issues time after time after time. It's not going to be cool. This is another area that's going to be an issue as you move on. Elderly parents, baby boomers and generation Xers are heading into second or third marriages that may have older kids still at home, but they also might have elderly parents that need time intensive and very expensive help. Get clear about what you plan to do with this. Is someone going to help you financially or otherwise with each other's senior parents? Would you consider having an elderly parent live with you? Now that can cause all kinds of problems if that's the case. Will you live near those parents or take responsibility for their caretaking and their health? The elderly often live incredibly long lives today, well into their 90s, and the two of you may be helping your parents for years 
by your senior citizens yourself. You've got to have a plan. It's very financially exhausting and you're going to have to talk with your siblings and get a plan for your own personal parents. The last thing is the money talk. Do you need or want a prenuptial agreement? I say yes, that's not even up for discussion. Talk to your attorneys, your financial advisors and each other to decide what's best. And don't forget to make any needed changes to your estate plan, your wills and financial agreements. Make sure things don't change for your children. If you move into a partner's apartment, will that be left to a child from a prior marriage upon their death? You must discuss how much you each earn and your financial goals. It's essential for couples to go into a marriage with a good understanding of the other person's financial situation. Who wants to fall head over heels in love with someone only to find out they have a ton of debt? And that's going to wipe out all their possibility of security for you two as a couple. Forget about it. I don't care how hot somebody is, guys. you got to be smart at this stage of your life. Second marriages, no one should have debt. I always talk to my coaching clients about getting out of debt, staying out of debt, having money in the bank. We talk about investments. What type of investments do they have? What is their savings plan? That's why you have to have a financial talk early on. Or why even go any further? If somebody's in debt and you're not, it's not going to work out. There's no room for financial secrecy in a healthy marriage. It will not work. And if you find out someone has lied to you or frauded you, get divorced. And that's why I divorced my first one. This article is by Mark Hay and it says how to keep having great sex. Tip number one, don't fixate on the type of outcome like a certain type of intercourse or orgasm. Try making out or fooling around or banning orgasms to focus only on intimacy. They say stay in a relationship long enough and eventually your sex life, no matter how spicy it was at the start, will peter out. I tend to want to argue that. (laughs) I don't think that's the same for every couple. When you have a really good sexual relationship, sex is usually the last thing to go. It's the other issues that could come up, whether it's addiction, financial irresponsibility, jealousy, control. When your sex life is good, that's usually the thing that's keeping you together when everything else is having problems. For how and when it does so varies. For some couples, the spark vanishes in under a year, which to me is quite unusual. For others, it can endure for ages. That flame out may manifest as a drop, slow or sudden in the frequency of physical intimacy, or it may come as a decline in the self-perceived quality of your sex life. Other times, a sex life can come to a complete halt. Researchers say um, the intimacy desire paradox, they call it, the studies document that this is becoming widespread. In some ways, a dip in desire isn't entirely bad. If we spend our whole lives in throes of sexual passion that many experience in the start of a relationship, we'd never get anything done. But at a certain point, for many, it becomes distressing. When sex is consensual, pleasurable, and enjoyable, it helps us feel closer and connected to our partner. It also contributes to our overall quality of life and happiness. Tip number two, they say explore new types of touch and intimate acts. Try a new position or have sex in a new place. Introduce sex toys, dirty talk, role play into your partnered sex if you haven't done this already. Make a list of everything you and your partner desire. Never do anything that makes you too uncomfortable, but seek novelty and surprise. Yeah, switch it up. Don't get into a boring routine or do the same thing in the same way every time. 
don't wait till 11 o'clock. Oh my gosh, I've heard this so many times. Men watch the TV after the news. A woman's just about falling asleep and he wants sex. It's called married sex. <laughs> I called it that years ago. I have said this in my other shows, but if you haven't heard it, the man's sexual center of the brain is seven times that of a woman. The way a woman needs to make love is to ignite her five senses first. So as a woman is falling asleep, no senses are ignited, right? They're all closed down. So sexually, she's not going to be turned on. Guys, this is why you have to have the dates at least twice a week. Get her out of her environment. Switch it up. Do exciting things on your dates. Don't do the same routine. Don't always aim for the bedroom. Have sex in the kitchen or in the shower or on the back porch. I mean, use your imagination. Switch it up. Make it some fun. I mean, women like that, too. They don't want boring sex. Don't stick to that just routine. You've got to go through my other shows. I give a lot of sexual tips all over the place. So make sure you listen to them. You want to keep it original to keep the sparks flying. It is entirely possible to maintain or reignite old sparks and keep having great sex well into a relationship. But understand how to maintain a satisfying sex life in a long-term relationship. One has to understand what leads to sex in the first place, which is a trickier task than you might expect. There is a need for novelty. There's tons of studies and relationship advice articles that say humans are hardwired to react to novelty and surprise. Newness gives us a dopamine rush that really gets things steamy. Keeping things too routine and familiar sabotages intimacy. Switch it up. Male sex drive peaks around the age of 18, says Helen Fisher, who's a sex and anthropologist. Uh, for women, the peak is more like 25. As testosterone, the hormone that seems to control desire, drops off, especially middle age, so does the desire for and the level of effort we put into a sex. Many people report a lack of interest in sex because they have trouble with having sex with penetration. For men, that means ED, erectile dysfunction. For women, that might be some vaginal dryness or other issues that could make sex painful. Keep in mind, years and years ago, when humans, they lived to about the age of 30, 35, 40. So when you see when this sex life is peaking, 18 and 25, if your life ended at 40, you'd have a sex life for a while. People are living to 90. Seniors want to have sex in their 70s. They develop Viagra for the men. What they develop for the woman? Are you frigging kidding me? <laughs> like, this is like ridiculous now they have come out with hormone replacement therapy for women and then they give it to men too developing everything for the man and hopefully the woman will fall in line and and still want it but honest to god come on researchers address your woman's needs okay open up to your partner about your desires you've never shared or new desires as they arise you may be surprised at how willing they are to accommodate your hidden needs and interests well i'm going to respond to that why are they hidden in the first place why have you not talked about your sexual wants, needs, and desires as you were dating and dating exclusively before marriage? There's this great book that I recommended to my couples. It's Questions on Love and Sex. It's an old book. I swear to God, I must have had it 20 years, 25 years. It's pink cover, little paperback, and it asks all these questions. And I have my couples that I see go through the book and they put a check or an X. Let's say the woman's a check, the man's an X by an idea that they like it. So their partner gets tons of ideas of what they would like. 
And it's not like going to be something you're going to try and it's like, oh, I hate that. No, you've already told them. Here it is. 200 pages of listing all these great sex tips. I would love you to try this stuff one day. Find one of those books. Go through it together with different color markers and mark out what you like. And then just keep it in your nightstand and read it and get to know it, right? I mean, you should be able to talk about any of this. Find ways to work more casual touch and physical closeness into your life. Simple acts of physical connection, even if they're not sexual, can help with a sense of attachment to a partner. Cuddle on the couch, hold hands walking down the street, or if you can, touch each other even as you're sleeping. Those niceties of keeping physical touch active, your hugs, kisses hello and goodbye, these are all great things to keep you connected. It shouldn't be you only touch each other for sex. Your sex will go away if that's the only time you're looking to touch your partner. That's a real problem. Keep intimate, PDA, public displays of affection, why not? I'm all for it if you're in a coupled relationship. I think it's sexy and it makes your partner feel loved and adored. There's nothing worse than being out on a date. You barely talk or you're both on your phones. I mean, shoot me now. Like why even bother? Save your money, stay at home and be on your phones. If you stay only on your phones, your marriage is going to fall apart. Your relationship will fall apart. You've got to pay attention to each other. You've got to have that touch. Even while you're driving in the car, hold hands, lean over and kiss each other from time to time. That's what keeps sex alive, that constant loving connection throughout the day. The longer one stays in a relationship, it stands to reason, more our bodies will sabotage our one steamy sex lives. Well, again, that's if you stop being intimate. The number of couples who, despite being together for decades, still profess deep romantic love for each other and still have solid sex life, she adds, have just naturally high sex drives that don't dip as readily over time. I'm going to argue that one. I'm going to say it's really keeping things fresh, new, alive, loving on a consistent, regular, daily basis talking with your partner a lot when you come home, not just turning on the TV, not being on your machines, being with each other, taking a walk, having a glass of wine before or after dinner just to sit and talk, holding hands a lot, having those dates, going out and finding new adventures, doing spicy fun stuff like great costumes for Halloween. That's one of my favorite events. I've been to Fantasy Fest in Key West twice. You take like 40 costumes and one or two dresses and a bikini. That's all you need because you're in costumes doing three parties a day. Let me tell you, how fun is that? It's amazing. I know my daughter goes to Burning Man out in the desert. I haven't tried that one yet. That could be really cool. There's all kinds of gladiator costumes people wear there too. But that is fun. Don't lose your spunk for play. Keep it feisty, keep it fun. That's important. So if you think your estrogen levels go down or your testosterones go down, get the hormone replacement therapy. Men go to urologists and women go to their gynecologists. You can easily test your testosterone and estrogen levels. Ladies in perimenopause, that can happen eight to 10 years before the final menopause comes signs of it, headaches or hot flashes, that's low estrogens, tiredness, teariness, lower sex drive, like all of a sudden that's lower testosterone. It's funny, I go into my gyno, it's like, okay, give me my test, I know what's happened, my testosterones are dropped. 
I want the NHR, which I call it, National Hormone Replacement. Give me some uh, testosterone, bring my levels up to normal. And he laughs. He goes, how do you know all this? You know, so he tested me. He goes, you're absolutely right. Called it. And then I was getting one time hot flashes and some headaches. It's like, oh, man, my estrogens have finally dropped. I said, I, I need to bring that up to speed. And he said, you're right. You know, test came back. That is the signs of that dropping. Men, it's usually extra weight gain around the middle, fatigue, grouchiness. They're just ornery. More depression could be another sign. And that usually starts showing up around age 45 to 52. Women's drop. Hormones could be around 38 to 48, somewhere in there. So pay attention to what your body is telling you. Really be in tune with your body and its health. And when something is going on, you can easily fix it. Isn't that great? Okay. Many aspects of life beyond the physiological functioning affect interest in sexual activity. More than five dozen studies on sex and long-term relationships conducted over the past two decades show there's a whole host of things, including personal, interpersonal, and social variables that seem to affect our intimate lives. Work and life stress is the biggest one. Unresolved arguments, distraction of kids and other factors zap away the time for sex or leave us too anxious, depressed, or physically and emotionally drained to really get into it. They also say antidepressants used by about 13% of Americans often decrease sex life as well. There's all kinds of natural remedies to depression and anxiety. Come into my coaching program to get those. None of my people are on psychotropic drugs, even if they showed up for that, they're off of them in two weeks. And studies show there's only 33% success ratio in psychotropic drugs. Anyway, it's about mindset and health. That's what I teach you. Okay, here's another tip. Try to establish a sense of equalism in your relationship, making sure one partner doesn't feel overburdened and that both members of the relationship are in it together. Remove any block to physical intimacy. And working as a team, as I said before, around the household, super important. So nobody feels stressed with that, the burden of those tasks. Tip six, voice your desire for each other at least once a day. It always helps you know that your partner still want each other, even if your sex life is on the rocks or you don't have sex every day, of course. Nobody wants that mundane ugh, chore. That becomes a chore if it's every day. Make it more special than that. Seven, make sure you and your partner have a sense of autonomy so that you see yourselves as more than just a couple. Having the space to be an individual can be enough to help your sex life. Set aside time for physical and emotional intimacy away from general life stressors. Having sex can ramp up your body's desire for still more sexual contact in the future. Tip number nine, Use erectile dysfunction drugs if there's a problem, lubrication, relaxation techniques, and other interventions to help with any apparent physiological barriers to sex or sexual pleasure. Be sure to keep talking with your partner about these issues as they arrive with time and aging. Number 10, masturbate to explore your own body and pleasure. Share your insights with your partner. Do it with your partner. Why not? Tip 11, 
Think back on the things you found attractive about your partner when you first got together, the things that they did or that you did together that got you hot and bothered. See if you can refocus on those traits that they still work for you or bring elements of those activities back into your life. And tip number 12, establish open lines of communication in your relationship. Be sure both of you are responsible to each other's needs to minimize the risk of lingering or unspoken conflicts that can zap desire. And there is more here, but our time is running out already. See how time flies when we're having fun, right? Let's go to the last lesson, which tonight is, I'm quoting from Tony Robbins' book, Giant Steps, Small Changes to Make a Big Difference. This is lesson 318 and 19. So many times relationships break up without people even knowing what went wrong. The most important way to ensure success in any relationship is to communicate clearly upfront. Make sure your rules are known and met. Develop patterns, interrupt with your partner to prevent the kinds of arguments where you can't even remember what the disagreement is about anymore. Only that you've got to win. Needing to win is going to ruin your relationship. Use a vocabulary that is kind and loving versus words that will blow things out of proportion. For example, instead of saying, I can't stand it when you do that, say, I'd prefer if you did this instead. Remember, keep it proactive, not reactive. And he says, is your love relationship one of the highest priorities in your life? If not, it will take a back seat to all the other more urgent things that happen every day and your passion will gradually go away. Don't allow familiarity to habitate you to the intense excitement and gratitude you feel for having someone special in your life. In other words, your relationship must be a priority, guys. It's something you've got to work on consciously to keep it fresh, alive, passionate, fun, friendly, and really, really special, right? Your partner's special. That's why you chose them. Next week, March 18th, we are going to go into, gosh, I didn't even finish what I wanted to finish tonight which is making love last. Maybe I'll have to finish that up. And I wanted to touch on parenting. I wanted to do tips for parents, the positive parenting chart, raising confident and successful kids. So maybe I'll finish this topic of making love last and then going into some secrets of parenting that I think are so important because so many of our kids, as you know, are suffering from childhood trauma. So let's change that up. Okay, my love angels and transformers, that is all we have time for today. I really appreciate you turning in tonight. Please tell your friends who you love and care about to join us next week. I appreciate you sharing the love and the tips and helping me change the way the world loves. Please take a moment and leave me a five-star rating on the platform of your choice and post a comment on what you liked and want to learn more in upcoming episodes of Lessons in Life and Love. You can send me your questions at lessonsinlifeandloveshow at gmail.com and reach out for that free offer of the Life and Love Discovery Session during this week at rihannamilland.com. Okay, Transformers, be sure to join me next week, Monday night, 6 p.m. on BBM Global Network. And as always, I am here to help you have the life you desire and the love that you deserve. God bless and have a fabulous week. We want to thank you for joining us on this episode of Lessons in Life and Love with Coach Rihanna Milne. Your personal journey of life and love transformation has only just begun. 
Go to RihannaMilne.com for more resources. And if you're really ready to take action to improve your life or love situation, apply now for a free life and love transformation discovery session with Rihanna, a $500 value. Just contact Rihanna with your questions and to tell her your story at RihannaMilne.com. And remember, it's time to have the life you desire and the love you deserve. You've been listening to the BBM Global Network. The ideas, views, and opinions of this broadcast are those of the participants of the program and are not necessarily the ideas, views, and opinions of the BBM Global Network Company.